Welcome to Beyond the Breakwater, where just beyond the crashing waves of fear, discomfort, and doubt lies the greatest potential for life transformation. We want to guide you into the open waters where the calculated risk you take becomes the turning point for you or your organization to thrive. So drop your anchors and prepare for departure in this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater. All right, welcome back to Beyond the Breakwater, and we are taking you beyond the breakwater. If you've been along with us in this journey so far, we've been talking through some really crazy things that have just instilled a lot of fear in us. And as you're listening to some of the the big ideas we've had, and by we, I mean, I'm Lindsay and this is Ed. Um, But just to kind of give a light to that, like we are a church that started a grocery store. We are a church that started a healthcare clinic that started an auto garage. And I'm not saying that to say like, look at us, but it's like, um, this is crazy. This has come with a lot of um, steps along the way. We didn't just go from point A to point B. We went from A to Z, and we experienced every single letter along the way. Right. And so I think today we kind of just want to talk about, as as you've been listening, you may have had some ideas, um, you know, what to start. Maybe you want to start a ministry. Maybe you want to do something differently, and you have that fear. Like I said, we have been there. We've been A through Z and all of the subletters in between. And so we want to talk today about what it looks like to have the grit to push past those fear, um, how to kind of step out from being paralyzed by it. Um, so Ed and I had a couple pastors visit the past couple days. Um, so these are people who are listening to the podcast. They wanted to come visit our ministries and see what they could do. Um, if you know a pastor, I think we're going to give you a little bit of insight as to what they might be feeling and some of the fears that they're having that they would never otherwise vocalize. So, Ed, what did you see from the past couple days with conversations with these guys? Yeah, it was really a great conversation. They were with us for two days. Uh, we had all day with them to present and then um, take them around to just show them the models and, and all the different ministries so that they could start really dreaming in their own location. Like, like how is God leading them? And I think that was actually one of the most precious things is that um, one of the pastors got up early in the morning and started writing down some ideas on where he thought God was leading him in the context of his own uh, culture and um, and his circumstances where he was from. And uh, that was really golden. And we, we wrapped it up. And um, so we had our final session and, and it was 12 o'clock, we wrapped it up. And I was ready to go. And then all of a sudden, one of the pastors started to talk about um, he really wanted the real scoop. Like, like everything seems easy for you guys. It seems like you were, this was a cakewalk and, and everything just went really well. Uh, and it was an amazing, we probably stayed for another hour and a half past the session, uh, getting very real and very real with them. And uh, pastors are... I'm sure it's no different for for other people and business people. The stakes are high uh, for whatever they're doing. But but I want to take this podcast and talk just a little bit about a pastor's fear. Because it's a little bit different for a pastor because it's not just a business deal. Your heart's in it. Your faith is in it. Hmm. Uh, it's not like you know, hey, do we buy this or not buy this? You know, do we buy this business or not buy this business? If it fails, so what? Your faith isn't part of it. You know, your church isn't part of it. 
Um, and I think in a lot of business deals, maybe God is not even part of those decisions. It's different for pastors because it goes very deep. And and there's this um, this fear. So I want to, maybe I can just list for you some of those fears, and we even talked about those yesterday. Mm. You know, I think one of those fears is based on a pastor's own life. Um, we're sinners, just like everybody else. Um, but but there's sometimes a fear in us, like, like, will God be so disappointed in me because of my fears that God will never ask me to do anything? And so there's this time that we have with God, like, God, I want to be used by you. I'm sorry for my sin. Please wash it away. And we know the right thing. We know God washes it away. We know God forgives us. But there's this fear of, did you wash it away enough that you're going to give me an opportunity to really serve you? And are you going to call me to something greater than what I'm even doing now? And so there's this check in our life of, of, God, if something's in my life, boy, help me eradicate it. But if I'm struggling to eradicate it, are you going to give up on me? Uh, are you going to leave? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to leave me with a ministry where you're you're not present? Because for a pastor, if God is not present in the ministry, then you're probably sitting in the in the harbor, and you're not doing anything. And do you need God to help you um, if you're going to sit in the harbor? But when you get beyond the the breakwater. Um, and the stakes go up, and this is a whole different ballgame. You really need God. And now you're like, but God, don't let my sin. Um, boy, how many times have I prayed, don't let my sin, don't let who I am or what happened in my life hurt the church or hurt the ministry or hurt. And I'm not saying I'm involved in some something that I shouldn't be in, but just mm-hmm. from a general standpoint, pastors have this fear of what if God gives up on me? And I think people might have that same fear. But when a pastor is afraid that God's going to give up on them, how do you commandeer a ship, a boat, if you're afraid God's giving up on you? Mm-hmm. My goodness, if God gives up on the pastor, what does it mean for everybody in the church? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why mm-hmm. I think pastors understand this more than anybody because we've got a bullseye on our back like like probably greater than anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, James even talks about um, how pastors are going to be held to a stricter judgment mm-hmm. because they're teaching the truth. Um, so Satan knows the same thing. And you know what? Pastors have this target on the back. And, and boy, if he can get a pastor, he can take a whole church. Mm-hmm. So pastors are always wrestling with this, Lindsay. They're always struggling um, in their own faith, their own sin, their own walk with Christ so that God can use them. So we almost have to start right there. Do you think that the fear of the pastor is the same today as it has always been, or are there new fears that are surfacing for pastors today? And if so, like what are those? Well, I think those have always been there. Um, I think sin is sin. I think it just takes on different formats. I think sin is easier today. Um, The phone makes sin so easy in so many different ways. I mean... I don't think I have to spell them out. I mean, I think everybody alive knows there's great things in the phone, and boy, there's also everything bad in the phone. Mm-hmm. And so there's integrity issues. You know, am I doing behind closed doors what I'm doing in public? That's integrity. So there's so many things that I think are so easy uh, for anybody, but in particular a pastor who really wants to be God-honoring, who really wants to lead the church, where God is leading the church and where God wants to lead the church, but you also realize your own sinfulness. 
I mean, let's look at Moses. Moses was called to go into the promised land. And one time he got so frustrated with the Israelites, God said, speak to the rock. And he struck the rock out of frustration is the best we know. Mm -hmm. And God said, because you dishonored me publicly, you're not going into the promised land, Moses. You get to watch, but you're not going to go. That story, I think, petrifies every pastor. Like, don't let me sin that it impacts the church mm. and the whole rest of his ministry. He knew mm -hmm. you're not going. They're going to go, but you're not going to go. Mm -hmm. um, so it's things like that that um, that are deeply felt for pastors. Mm -hmm. So real quick, before we keep going with those, like what are what are some ways that you've learned to cope with those fears? Because I think an easy thing for pastors to do. I mean, we've seen a lot of scandals. We've seen yes. like affairs happen. We've yeah. seen um, self-medicating. So when you are prompted with those fears, what have you found to be helpful or what would you say to encourage the person in that, that specific situation? Well, I like to walk and I've talked about that a lot. I like to walk and talk and God and I walk and talk a lot. Today was absolutely stunning. It was a full moon. It said it's going to be the biggest and brightest for the whole year. And I was just out. Um, it was so bright. But it was just that time that you have to God to say, can we can we talk? Can we be honest? What's going on in my world? What's going on in my life? Um, and just allow God to speak into our life. I think we need accountability. Um, I think we need around us. We need people around us who can call us out and, um, and keep us um, as close to Christ as we can. I think that's really important. Mm. Well, let's keep moving because mm. I know we could probably spend a whole one on that one alone. Mm. But there's other fears that pastors have. Um, when we talk about beyond the breakwater, let's just say you're in the harbor and you're like, hey, I got an idea for ministry. And you go over and you fire up the boat. Your first fear is what's everybody's going to think. Mm. Are they going to criticize you? Are they going to think your idea is foolish? Are they going to wonder? Are they going to switch boats? Are they going to leave? That's another mm -hmm. fear. That's 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 just as big of a fear. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I know we've talked in past that churches have never had to take a risk. Okay, but we know if you don't take a risk and you're in the harbor and you don't take a risk, you've got an expiration, mm -hmm. you know, mark, date on your boat. So Do you think that that is new? That is new. Okay. Because now all you have to do is Google your church body. Mm -hmm. And there's these estimations, I mean, for when church bodies are going to fail and when they're going to go under. Mm. So, so that is what is prompting a lot of these fears in pastors right now as well. Yes. And if I could say with the pastors that we visited with the last few days, that is what's prompting a lot of their fears because they're looking at their church and their the attendance is dying out. And yes. there is a risk of having to close the doors. Yes. And so, I mean, to put it, there, there's a song lyric that says, I'm afraid of dying young, but I'm afraid of growing old. Yes. And so I think that's kind of like what these pastors are experiencing. They're like, either we're going to have to shut our doors or we are going to really struggle and experience some growing pains of of taking a risk, of growing old, of, of doing things differently. Yeah, when you're watching your church slowly decline... And the average church size, I believe, is around 62 people in America, which has gone down significantly over the last 10 years. It used to be over 100. So it's coming down quickly. So you almost know your church is on the path 
to closure. Mm-hmm. More churches are on hospice today than have ever been on hospice. It's just a matter of time um, until they close. And so churches know I need to try something because everything that I've tried isn't working. I'm working harder. And some people say, just work harder. Mm-hmm. My goodness, how many times have we heard that for people that are in Alice? Just work harder. Mm-hmm. No, that doesn't work. Pastors, just work harder. So many of them are giving up so much of their life and their family life and their health, working harder, 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 mm-hmm. only to see more and more decline. Mm-hmm. So now they have to do something. Mm-hmm. And so now they have an idea. Right. They have an idea. And yes. the let's paint the background because I like specifically one of one of the pastors, I think a lot of pastors are probably sitting in the same scenario as him. Um, he correct me if I'm wrong, but he is he is the senior pastor. Um yes. and he has a staff of how many? Two. Two. Part time volunteers. Part time volunteers. And he had an idea. He has a town of 9,000-ish um, and a, a church body of how many? Um, it was like 30, 60. Yeah, worshiping. What, you mean how many were they worshiping? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, well, there's two different churches. One was worshiping 30, one was worshiping 110. Okay. Okay. So now he has an idea, and after he's gone around to all of our ministries that have been established for a really long time, he's like... Um, what are your, what am I supposed to do? Like I am a small church and I am a person of one with a staff of two part-time people. Right. Uh, a lot of fears there. Yeah. So now what? Right. And this is that I have to do something because I know what's going to happen if I don't do anything. So I'm going to try something. So the fear is if I do try something, how many people are going to say, I don't want to be part of that. I'm leaving. I'm going to go find another church and I'm going to go sit in their pew. Um, or I heard this church is doing this. I want to go be part of that church. And so so there's these fears of, of losing people, mm-hmm. fear of what are people going to say, fear of if I try this and I fail. Um, one of the pastors said the fear of losing your job. Like if I take a risk and it doesn't go well and the church folds, um, I just lost my job. I lost my livelihood. I have nothing. Mm-hmm. So all of these fears really come out in pastors. But I would add one more, which um, has happened to me along the way. Um, it's a fear when somebody very close to you in your life, who you respect and admire and you're good friends with, walk out of your life because of a decision that you make. I don't think there's anything that cuts deeper in terms of a pastor um, that I thought we had a friendship. I thought we had this amazing relationship Mm -hmm. and we've been walking together for a year or decade and and a decision is made and then they walk out of your life. Um, Nothing can prepare a pastor for that. And now you're afraid if the person closest to me just walked out of my life, why wouldn't everybody leave? Right. And so now you're throwing your hands up and now you don't even have the emotional energy to try it because people are walking out of your life or people publicly are mocking you or saying, we shouldn't mm-hmm. be doing this. Churches have no business doing this. Mm-hmm. My goodness, have I heard that one a lot. Church has no business doing that. Yeah. So, okay, all of these things you're mentioning, they're all fears. And I think yes. when I when I think of a fear, it's more concept-based of like, this could potentially happen, yes. but you're here to tell me that it won't happen and everything will be just fine. 
And so I think when we're looking at fears, it's like, okay, they're, they're concepts, but at the same time, they're realities. And is that okay to live with? Like the fear of someone changing boats, someone moving out of your church and leaving, is that okay? Some, a relationship, the person, a friend exiting your life, is that okay? So if all of those things were to happen, you lose your job, is that okay? Why would we still do it? Okay, you got a lot of things going on there. Let me try to address it this way. Um, so let's just say a pastor um, decides that they want to do something in food, some kind of food ministry. We heard that yesterday. They're mm-hmm. doing a food ministry, serving 200 meals a week, which I thought yeah. was absolutely incredible. What mm-hmm. a great ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a kitchen not being used. They decided to do a meal ministry, and they're cooking 200 meals a week. Love it. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. But imagine if you tried... you threw that idea out and you got pushed back and you got like, why would we do that? Who's going to do that? We don't have the money for that. You mean we're going to get our nice, nice, new, clean kitchen dirty mm-hmm. and we're going to cook for people? Will they even be grateful? Will they pay for it? What if we run out of money? What if, I mean, the what if, what if, what if, you know? So now this is where grit comes in that the pastor has to, this is the hardest thing. So if, if I would bring people into my little world as mm-hmm. a pastor you have to make a decision, is the mission what God wants you to do? If it's just a cute little thing that our church is going to do with no mission, don't bother. Mm. But if you're discerning like God is moving the church beyond the breakwater, and that meal ministry that we heard, they're making 40 home visits a week, and I loved it. That's beyond the breakwater. That's going to visit people, 40 people in their homes mm. every week with a meal. Amazing. That's mm-hmm. You see, there's mission there. There's I'm going to go be Jesus to that person. Mm-hmm. That might even open up the door to, to tell somebody about Christ. Mm-hmm. That may open up the door to invite them to mm-hmm. come to worship or to pray with them. Mm-hmm. So, so somewhere along the way, you have to decide, is this missional? Is God calling us beyond the breakwater? Mm-hmm. And if he is... If he is calling you there, here's the hard part. People start getting disappointed and they start leaving you. Mm. I think this is the hardest place for any pastor who has an idea of missions because do I keep the church happy and don't rock the boat or do I fire the engine up knowing that I'm going to disappoint people that I care about and care about me and I'm going to disappoint them. They're going to leave. They're going to go to another church. And then I'm going to be left with fewer people to be called into the mission of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been there, Lindsay. Mm-hmm. We've been there, and I've been there on a number of occasions. Sometimes it's cost me my job. Yeah. And sometimes um, people have left the church, uh, sometimes in droves. Mm-hmm. And this is what they always say, we want our church back. I know what they're saying. They want the Harbor Church back. They want things the way they were. Mm-hmm. They want this great party boat club and yet, I don't know one pastor that's called to, to a club. Yeah. And whose church is it? It's Christ's church. And yeah. he's calling us to go save the lost, seek and save the lost. But as soon as you make that decision or you say to God, I want to follow you beyond the breakwater. Mm-hmm. Is, is there anything in my life that's preventing me from doing it? Let me eradicate it and confess it and change. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to lead me out. Mm-hmm. Um. Fear bubbles up. The what ifs. Yeah. And they're real what ifs. It's not a matter of 
if. It's usually a matter of who and when are they going to walk out of your life. Wow, that's the hardest thing for any pastor to deal with. Yeah. So real quick, you gave an example of um, pursuing a ministry that, like, this is what God has for you because it's on mission with God's mission. What is an example, like, have you had to decide anything where you're like, oh, I don't think that's God's mission? Because I think some pastors might be having some ideas and they might be at this point of deciding, like, is this what God has for me or is this a distraction? Yeah, okay. Um, I thought you were going to go to a different direction, but let's go to that question real quick. Um, if you're trying to discern if God is leading in this ministry, um, I think there's a couple things we have to try to discern. Is God asking for obedience on my part? Something that doesn't really make sense. Um, maybe it's just like God saying, will you do this? Because if you won't, for example, you know, you're in a restaurant and God just taps in your shoulders and go up and ask that person if they need prayer and you're petrified and you're like, I'm not doing that. There's no, I'm not doing that. That's crazy. That's a crazy thought. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, there's a, there's a simple obedience thing. So pastors go through this whole training process. God will start to lead us in the small things that nobody ever knows about. Like, will you do this? Mm-hmm. Will you do this? Will you do this? And what he's doing is he's in training. We're in training. And so finally it's just like, yeah, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll make that phone call. Yeah, I'll go meet with that person. Yeah, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I feel like you want me to go do that. So he doesn't start with a big thing. Mm-hmm. He starts with a small thing. So I would tell every pastor, look for those small things mm-hmm. and start asking God to show you what he wants you to do so that you can be obedient to him mm. um, and then go do those things. Mm. And here's a simple example of that. You know, I like to work on cars. It's no wonder we have a garage. <laughs> I always keep my tools in my car so that as I'm driving down the road, driving down the highway, um, and I use a GPS thing that always tells me where there's a car coming up in a half a mile, like car on the shoulder. Every time I come up to a car, God, do you want me to stop? Mm-hmm. You want me to help that person? Um, you want me to keep going? Uh, what do you want me to do? And, um, and many a time I will just go, oh, they're changing a tire. I can see them struggling and I pull off and I go help. Mm. And other times you're like, um, no, somebody else is helping them. Um, so I think, I think here's a lesson for that. I think we have to be ready. So God, help me to always be ready. Mm -hmm. Um, interruptions. God uses interruptions all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it's what we talk to the staff about. It's your interruptions that's your ministry. It's when somebody interrupts your life because they need some time. That's when the ministry happens. Mm-hmm. Always be ready for the interruptions in your life. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would be when you start listening to God and you start to see what God's doing. Then when it starts to go up and you're like, hmm, it seems like God might be leading in this way. So go test that. Mm-hmm. People in the Old Testament have tested God all along. Gideon tested God with a fleece. Mm -hmm. Make the ground wet and the fleece dry. And then he said, okay, Lord, don't be mad at me. Now he said, make the fleece wet and the ground dry. (laughs) And God did both. Mm -hmm. And so when we ask God to show us, because, because what we want to do is make sure it's God, is it his voice? And we're learning to listen to his voice. And I love the story about Elijah. 
um, when God came to Elijah. Remember, it wasn't in the earthquake and it wasn't in a big wind. It wasn't in the rock splitting. It was in the quiet, the whispering. Mm. That's where God's voice is. So I think pastors have to start getting in tune to the voice of God. Yeah. Has there, so you're, I'm hearing a lot of like yeses and moving, moving through all of the yeses. And I think as long as I've known you, I've kind of known you to be that person that, that keeps going and going and going until it's like, all right, you're cut off no more. So has there ever been a time where you've had to discernfully say no? Oh yeah. I think that was the hardest no of my life in ministry. Uh, I've been in ministry for over three decades and, and God led us to open up a coffee house, uh, back in 2010. Um, Honestly, it was just like, uh, it, it felt like the crown jewel. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, over 75,000 people came through that coffee house. Uh, we, we were just privileged to be able to start it. We didn't have the money for it. I mean, that's okay. I know that's a whole different topic. We couldn't do it. We didn't know how to run a coffee house. We didn't know how to do that. Anyways, long story short, we started a coffee house. And uh, fifth year in uh, running amazing life changes, um, impact. We were watching marriages change. We were watching people study the scriptures. And and it was a place for uh, homeless people that they would come during the day and people in recovery would sit at the bar um, shaking, you know, and ask for coffee. And then when they were good after an hour or two, then they were like, okay, I'm good and I can go. Um, every day, every day, story after story after story of life change in this coffee house. Uh, and then our rent went up 57%. Wow. Uh, we were already struggling. It was a mm -hmm. cost of ministry. It wasn't mm -hmm. breaking even. It was costing us. And all of a sudden, the cost went up Wow. significantly. We couldn't understand it because it was a slow time in the economy. It was 2015. And everybody, all the other landlords on Main Street were lowering their rent to keep their renters... Mm. And our landlord went up 57%. So we began the process of, of, God, we can't afford this. So either you're going to have to change business model, you're going to have to generate more revenue, um, or, which we couldn't imagine, was God saying, close it. So I began to seek counsel. Anybody who would ask, I would just say, what's your opinion? What do you think? What do you think God's doing? Well, we got to a point that nothing was changing. We were we we could see under the new model, it was going to be an anchor that the church was going to have a hard time funding in the future. So the landlord was in California and we're in Michigan. And so she had a lawyer that um, she had hired. And so I was communicating with the lawyer. And um, the board got together and the board prayed extensively over this. And we came up with... Uh, a date and a time that if the landlord would lower it, even a dollar, then we would know that God was saying, I want you to stay. Mm -hmm. If he raised it or kept it the same, then we were supposed to close. Well, the first time the board said, maybe God wants to close it, I was not a happy guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you got to be kidding me. There's no way. There is no way mm -hmm. we're closing this thing. God is doing too much work. There's no way he's going to close it. Well, that date's approaching, and I'm calling the attorney every other day. You know, can you just lower it, you know, $10 a month? Can you $50 a month, $100 a month? Can mm -hmm. you... One penny and we'll a penny, stay open. A penny, a penny. Yeah. 
And um, and it was going up to that day and that hour, and I'm begging God, and I'm like, God, please, 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 don't close the coffee house. I gotta have something. And that was, but you see, that was our litmus test. Well, ultimately, the way that our polity is at the church, um, it came down to my decision. So I was honoring the board, and I believe that the board was right, and that we all agreed this fleece. But as the time was coming closer, I started negotiating with God. Well, can we just keep it open a little while longer? And it was one of those obedience things. Um, and I remember getting on the phone, you know, at 11 o'clock with the attorney and saying, please, you know, we have one hour till we make our final decision. No. I remember calling him at 11.58. And I said, I'm begging you, can you lower it a dollar? Nope. The, the owner said, this is the rent. The clock strikes 12. It's like a Cinderella moment. Yeah. Clock strikes 12. I'm heartbroken. And I said, well, then I'm obligated to tell you um, we're out. We're, we're closing shop. 11.01, he says, 12.01. What? Yeah. 12.01. What? I said, what didn't you understand? I thought you were bluffing. I said, I told you at 11 o'clock I'm not bluffing. And he said, I thought you were bluffing. I can lower your rent. <laughs> so did you go for it? No. No. We closed it. Mm. We started Man. the process of two months of closing it. Now, this is where God, in his divine wisdom, so incredible. Mm. Later on in that summertime is when um, we actually had... Some of you might remember hearing the podcast of we started the food ministry. We were we were giving tips from the tip jar from the coffee house. And it was just a few months after we closed it that God put it on our heart to start a grocery store. So we were like, hmm, interesting. And then my prayer was, God, let somebody else run a coffee house. And uh, we don't have to do it. Let somebody else in town pick up where journeys ended and run the coffee house. And um, ironically where we're doing the podcast right now is we are above the coffee house <laughs> that started back in 2016, I think it was, mm. and uh, and they started it here. So we didn't have to do the coffee house ministry. Somebody else did it. God moved us to something else. Mm -hmm. But Lindsay, this is what's amazing. And this was hard for me. It's still hard for me. I still want to ask God why, why we couldn't negotiate it down. Mm -hmm. Why did somebody else have to do this? Um, but the flood happened. Um, and it closed Main Street, mm. and every place on Main Street took on water. We had a basement. Wow. We had wood floors. That would have sunk it. It would have sunk it. It would have been a $100,000 bill to just get the floors redone. What we didn't know is that the year after we closed it, the city closed the street down for mm. almost a year because they wow. were remodeling downtown Main Street. Mm. Businesses tanked. Mm. And I'll never forget, um, one of the staff came up to me, the garage manager, and uh, pulled me aside and just said, I just want to say thank you that you closed Journeys. And I said, why would you thank me for closing <laughs> Journeys? It was the hardest thing I've ever done. He said, I know. But if you didn't close Journeys, all of our community ministries would have closed because it would have bankrupted us. Mm. Yeah, because there was already a cost to that yes. ministry. Yeah. 
And the discernment that he had, that he said, we learn more about you, that you were willing to be obedient to God to close the crown jewel Mm -hmm. to protect all the other ministries. And I said, well, I didn't do it for that reason. I did it because he said, I know. Mm -hmm. But that was the outcome. Mm -hmm. So going back to, um, I was afraid, Lindsay. Mm -hmm. Um, We took a lot of hits when we closed. And people were wondering why we did this, because it was like an audible gasp. It was a place for the whole community to gather in community. Journeys was called the gathering place where you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. It was huge in the community. And now we closed it. And so hard, oh my goodness, Yeah. following Christ is one of the hardest things we'll do. Sometimes he says yes to our fear. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says not yet. Sometimes he says wait. And sometimes he says close it. Mm -hmm. It requires a lot of strength for all of those, like strength to say yes, strength to say no. And in all of that, just discerning, like that's what I'm hearing from you is just a lot of like leaving no stone unturned. Investigate all of it and see where God is speaking to you in that. Sometimes that's really hard to do. Mm -hmm. But that's my one question. It's just my one question. You know, (laughs) we all have questions we want to ask God. And I want to say, why? Mm -hmm. Because I watched the incredible impact that that coffee house had. But maybe God already gave me that answer. I'm just not willing to accept it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, because it's like when I hear that and I think like, okay, construction happened. Like that could be a why. The flood happened. That could be a why. But I think that just speaks to the like impact that that ministry had where it's just, God, couldn't you have protected it from the flood? Couldn't you have protected it from the construction? But yeah, sometimes I think God asks us to do things and we just, we will never know yeah. Why? But it's just that next step and that that step of faith that, all right, I'm going to do it and I'm not going to worry about the outcome of it, but this is just in faith what I believe God to be asking me to do. Right. Well, you know, we didn't have unlimited money. And if there's uh, another amazing thing that happened out of this, I, I told you that three months after we closed it is when we had this discussion with people. And the outcome of that is we had freed up some dollars and we opened up the bridge grocery store a year later and so sometimes i'm like okay god others can do the coffee house ministry but you called us to do the grocery store ministry and to really help people so here seven and a half years later grocery store is running strong Mm -hmm. outlived journeys and it's really changing a lot of lives yeah all just from a yes and a no and a no Mm -hmm. a hard no Mm -hmm. that's that hard red stoplight Yeah. So we're coming up on the end of an episode and we always leave the listeners with something to do before they go. And I always put you on the spot and you always do so well with it. So what can listeners do before they go? I want to speak into the life of every person who's in the church for just a moment, Lindsay. Um, Your pastor who's trying to so desperately follow Christ, the power in the pew is like no other. They'll never know. People in the pew never know what's going on inside my heart, in my mind, how I'm wrestling with God, how I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to be obedient. They don't know that. A word from the pew, a word from somebody who comes up and says, Pastor, 
I'm not sure what's going on in your life, but I'm praying for you. Pastor, how can I encourage you today? Pastor, what can I pray for? I have one person every Sunday comes up to me and says, what's going on in your life that I can pray for? Um, and that's kind of risky because you're like, oh, I'm going to share some things that nobody else knows about what's going on that I want her to pray. And so I would encourage, you know, pastors, keep listening to the voice of God and keep asking God to make his voice clear to everybody else who's in the pew, part of a church. Um, it's funny how God uses the same word courage and encourage and discourage. The pastor who needs courage to follow Christ People in the pew can either encourage him to be courageous or they can discourage him from being courageous to follow Christ. And I would encourage every person, get to know the heart of the pastor, who hopefully is getting to know the heart of Christ, and encourage them to be courageous to get beyond the breakwater. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Beyond the Breakwater, a podcast of Elevate Community Ministries. Don't let the conversation stop here you can email us at hello at beyondthebreakwater.org. We would love to chat with you, answer questions, plan a visit, and help you take your next step. We'll see you next week.